Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Now in all Israel, there was no one who was praised as much as Absalom for his good looks. Now in all Israel, there was no one who was praised as much as Absalom for his good looks. Everybody say no one. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. And when he cut the hair of his head at the end of every year, he cut it because it was heavy on him. When he cut it, he weighed the hair of his head at 200 shekels, according to the king's standard. To Absalom were born three sons and one daughter whose name was Tamar. She was a woman of beautiful appearance. And Absalom dwelt two years in Jerusalem, but did not see the king's face. Therefore Absalom sent for Joab to send him to the king, but he would not come to him. And he said to his servants, See, Joab's field is near mine, and he has barley there. Go and set it on fire. And Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Then Joab arose and came to Absalom's house and said to him, Why have your servants set my field on fire? And Absalom answered Joab, Look, I sent to you, saying, Come here, so that I may send you to the king, to say, Why have I come from Geshur? It would be better for me to be there still. Now therefore, let me see the king's face, but if there is iniquity in me, let him execute me. So Joab went to the king and told him, And when he called for Absalom, he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king. Then the king kissed Absalom. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. That was wonderful. Beautiful. Today I want to, I want to, I want to minister this subject called what keeps you from the courts of the Lord? What keeps you from the courts of the Lord? I want you to look at someone this morning and I want you to say to them, is there anything in your life that is keeping you from the courts of the Lord? Yeah, yeah. Now I want to give you a little bit of backdrop and really... I want to highlight one scripture that my wife mentioned in there. She breezed by it softly, not knowing that well, that was my context. I never really tell her ever. I don't think ever what I'm ministering. Do I ever tell you? I don't think so. I wish I would have had you put some thunder behind this one. But, but I, want to, I want to put emphasis on the phrase uh, where it says the king, he would not allow him to see the king's face would not allow him to see the king's face. Now, now, do you know who Absalom is? Absalom is David's, King David, the second king. Everybody say the second king. Okay, so small theological. Can I just be a little tiny bit theological and kind of give you something chronological? And then I, then I may go a little wild. Um, it's the reason it's called... Anyway, you got first kings, second kings, all of that. Well, David is the second king. That's why they set this up chronologically like this. The first king, 
Everybody knows who the first king of Israel was, right? Everybody say Saul. Saul. And then you have now David. Now David had uh, a bunch of kids. One of them's names were Absalom. It was David's third child, I believe. And, and let me give you a little bit of context because I kind of fast forwarded through the whole story of what really happened. Like there's a reason why David, the father, did not want to see his own son. And one of the reasons being, I want to be careful because I have some, a couple of young people in the room. Um, Absalom killed his own brother for uh, a really bad reason. Uh, he, had, uh, he killed his own brother because his brother um, raped his half-sister. Okay, and so Absalom, in fury, killed his brother. David was upset that he killed him. He felt that it could have been handled a little bit different. And so David excommunicates Absalom for two years. Everybody say two years. What happens, though, is there's a lot of manipulation that's going on in this story. And they say, hey, I I want you to fake like you're sorrowful for Absalom. I want you to go plead with the king father, David. I want you to plead with him because we want to bring Absalom back to Jerusalem. Yeah, so Absalom makes it back to Jerusalem. And now you got to imagine this. That's like me and Cohen, my son, being in the same vicinity for two years and he's never able to see my face. And I believe one of the reasons that story doesn't say it, but I believe that one of the reasons is, and this is, this is going to be pretty good for some of you, I understand why the Lord has always been very slow at promoting me. Very slow. David, and this is a process that we use here actually in the church. It's a process that I use uh, in business. Uh, say amen, Dean. Being careful on how fast you promote somebody. And so, so... David allows his son to sit there because he wants to make sure that his heart is truly penitent or repentant, like he's changed, like he doesn't have a major anger problem because in those days, kings were not uh, supposed to like just flippantly just kill somebody. They, they, there was policies, there were procedures, there were guidelines they needed to follow. If they were led by emotions, normally those kings would be overthrown not too long from that time. So, so David wanted to make sure that Absalom was in a good place. But David makes a huge mistake by allowing Absalom back into the king's courts to eat like a king. Like, because Absalom could potentially be the successor of David. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? But I want you to notice what Absalom does to get the king's attention, which the king in turn promotes Absalom for doing something wrong instead of sitting him down another two years. Like when people come around here and they're like, give me promotion, or I hear them say they don't even know, I know they said something. I'm like, yeah, you just bought yourself six more months of sitting down. (laughs) Dean, I'm not talking about you, Dean. He's like, why are you looking at me? He's like, you're looking at my soul. Is he talking to me? If the shoe fits. No, I'm just kidding. So, so King David excommunicates, say excommunicates his son. Yes, for murdering. And he sends him away for two years. And so somebody comes in and manipulates. They bring Absalom back. He's in the kingdom now for two years and unable to see his father. And out of impatience, out of impatience, 
he makes a decision to burn Joab's fields. Now, you got to understand who Joab is. Joab is Absalom, David's son. Joab is the cousin of Absalom, which would make him David's what? Nephew. It's his nephew. But he's the commander of the army. He's the one who overthrew Jerusalem. Is everybody okay with me kind of giving you a little bit of Bible story? So he is the one, because this is important. He's the one who overthrew Jerusalem to get David's kingdom set up in Jerusalem. And so Joab speaks. He's an armor bearer and a commander of the army. So nobody goes to David except through Joab. Joab is the second in command. Everybody say the second in command. So Absalom calls this meeting. He denied, Joab denies it two times. And then Absalom says, I'm going to get the attention of the king one way or another. I'm going to burn Joab's field. So he burns Joab's crops, finally gets the attention of Joab. Then finally, Joab's probably like, I don't want him burning no more of my fields. I'm going to promote him. And so he goes to David and he says, hey, your son wants to see you. When David sees him, and I'll read those verses in just a few moments. Actually, I believe you did read it. It says that the king kissed him and basically forgave him and let him back in the courts. Everybody with me? So, so I'm going to give you two contrasting scriptures because this is what you don't do. And I'm going to show you the way that Jesus is way to promotion. Does anybody want to know how to be promoted in God's kingdom? Like there, there is God's way and there is man's way. And one of the reasons I'm reading this, actually something happened to me last week on one of my projects where someone was talking about another employee and was butchering their reputation. And this person who was doing the butchering is a very skilled and very talented person. And that's where you have to be careful with talented people because talent and skill and gifting does not mean they have good character. Actually, I have, I cannot tell you how many times I have promoted people in the secular and in the sacred, and they had amazing, amazing giftings, but they had dangerous character issues. And this is what David does. He sees Absalom as having possibly, he's going to possibly pass the baton to him, but he brings him back too early. And, and listen, you know what some people do? Oh, this is for somebody this morning. Are you ready? Make sure you don't rescue a family member or a child in your life. Don't rescue them out of a pit that God put them in. Do you know how many people I've seen rescued spiritually? Mom, I need to come back home or I need to borrow some money or a brother or a sister or an aunt or an uncle. And you give to that person not even knowing that if you could hear the voice of God, God would say, why in the world did you do that? I had them right where I wanted them. I was trying to develop character in them, and you stepped in too far too early. And now, on the other hand, you know, you got to be careful about, you know, constantly bringing correction. This is where we have to discern when somebody's ready to be promoted. And when they're not ready to be promoted is when they're talking about people or they're trying to work their way to the top through fear, through manipulation, or through threats. Like, I'm going to leave if you don't do this. If you ever hear a friend of yours saying, if you don't do this, this is what I'm going to do. Newsflash. I've got the 10th, I'm just going to tell you. 
God gave me the 10th uh, gift of the Spirit. There's only nine. There's nine fruit. There's nine gifts. It took a while to develop that gift. Look at somebody and say, do you have the 10th one? You know what the 10th one is? It's called the gift of goodbye. And here's why I say that. Because when God is up to something in your life and momentum, God's momentum is much better than man's. It's it's much better. But I have to tell you, it seems slower, but it's not slower. It, it, It may seem like very slow and progressing, but the thing is, I know people who are up in age who look at me in my face. I work with clients. I work in sales. And they say, Donnie, if I would have only waited... Donnie, if I would have done this, there, there was a client I was dealing with, and, and I have a few of them that are, I don't say this to gloat, but I'm telling you, these aren't, they're, they're smart people. You know, they're, some of them are even millionaires, and they come to me privately. They don't want to be seen with me, but they'll come to me in private for advice, you know, because I'm a believer and I'm a Christian. They can't be seen with me, but I'm, they're kind of like, I'm kind of like uh, Nicodemus kind of situation. I have to go to them by night and give them advice because I can't be seen with their other millionaire friends. And they will, many of them cry to me and say, I thought the money would make me happy and my family, my kids, they hate me. He said, they won't even come for Christmas anymore because I was working on Christmas Eve. Or, or my, wife, my, my wife is still with me, but there's just no intimacy. And he's, they're like, I, I'm 65 years old. And, and you know, I, all those years going to the office and, and I don't know how to get my life back. It's like, I thought the money would make me happy. And then they warn me. They said, just so you know, there's nothing up here. And so mind now what matters later. Everybody say that. Mind now what matters later. Yeah. And so I was, I was going into this vein of the way that God promotes is a lot different than, uh, well, let me say it like this. God's way of promoting now in 2023 in this millennium is a lot different than I've seen him promoting even in early 2000. Now, I know you guys are like, what is he talking about? Well, I'm going to tell you. I had the chance. I was going to say the front row wasn't the front. It was like the fourth row. To be exact, it was the fourth row back, front right for many, many years. I was a member like number 4,000. And being there, it grew. Now, I was involved in ministry. I wasn't responsible for the growth. But the, the church literally during the years that I was there exploded very, very fast. So fast that the church no longer, it kind of doesn't exist. It's not the same pastor there. The pastor has now passed on. Somebody that I value, somebody that I love, somebody that taught me an incredible amount of things, taught me faith, taught me to trust God. Um, but in the end, it, it, it really crumbled. And, and you know, somebody, sometimes people teach you what not to do. Life is a classroom. Say life is a classroom. But the way I'm seeing God, I need y'all's attention really very closely. I want you to hear this because the way that God promotes now, he, he promoted very differently about 10, 15 years ago. You would see people who had a calling and would obey and see success right away. Boom. God would entrust his anointing. Churches were growing. Churches were booming. And now what we see is like a deconstructing of that. 
You see a lot of pastors being exposed. You see a lot of relationships falling apart. Everything seemingly falling apart at the seams. And you know why that is? There's a scripture that says, you'll know the Lord is coming when judgment is starting at the house of the Lord. And so he's starting right there with the house of the Lord. So you know what he's doing? He's not promoting people as fast. He's not entrusting his power to people as fast. He's not doing what he used to do. And I remember, I remember as clear as day, I said, Lord, I was praying. I was praying and I said, Lord, I really want to see this happening in the church. I want to see, I want to see miracles. I want to see wonders. And I'm like, Lord, why am I not seeing it with my eyes? Where is Where are we at in the body of Christ? And I said, Lord, where, where is that man or woman that you're going to use to start the spark? And you know what the Holy Spirit spoke to me? As clear as I'm talking to you, in my heart, he said, I don't have many I can trust. And sometimes God will, God will, will, will sit you just like it, God was trying to do with Absalom. He was trying to seclude Absalom to work that stuff out of him. Now, Absalom ended up being murdered because you'll see what he tries to do. He tries to overthrow his father, David's kingdom, because he tries to get promotion his way. And when somebody is not ready, even though they might be called, listen, oh, thank you, Jesus. There are some people who are called for a specific promotion and in their heart, they know it. But what they do, they get impatient They get impatient and they want to be seen and they need it now. I need the word of the Lord to manifest now, but their character is not ready for it. And so what ends up happening is their character ruins where God wanted to bring them. And they begin to self-sabotage because God's ultimate goal is sanctification for the believer. I know we don't talk like this. I think I was like an offspring out of Zusa or something with the Church of God in Christ folks. But that's what they talked about. Holiness. They talked about purity sanctification like are you ready for what God has for you are you are you ready believer to come out of the pit that possibly God put you in and listen if you have struggling issues I know this is hard I know this doesn't fill the church up I know this kind of preaching is not like it's not like super hype but, but my goal for you, can I tell you what my food is? My absolute food, my wife will tell you what keeps me up. She will tell you what, what fuels these tears. And it, and it is not a big church anymore. Notice I said anymore. It, it, is, it is not finances. It is not even calling. It's when I see people really get it and fall in love with Jesus, like really, really. Like, like really, really, like, like, like a person who will actually do it without being paid for it or, or do it without a motive behind it or serve because they actually love God and love people, like without any promise of anything. Like, like, like God wants to raise up a real, true, pure, holy generation once again. Like we're wondering why is God not moving? I don't think we should wonder. God is wanting us to embrace whatever pits or ostracisms that he's put us in until, guess what? Until he sanctifies us. Sanctify. Listen, oh, Jesus. Jesus won't even, he does have a part to play in the sanctification. But you know what the, you know what the word says? You probably know better than I do. It says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. 
sanctify. Is this good? Sanctify. What, what does that mean? It means, Rick, me and you have a job here. Like God, you're not going to, he's not going to just, I wish, I wish to God I could lay hands on, on, on somebody and they immediately have a pure mind. I only know one way to preach and that is to be absolutely honest. Can I tell you, I have gone through seasons of absolute and utter hell where my mind is being tormented with thoughts, tormented, like can't even think like, I'm just telling you, if you desire any type of role in the body of Christ or, or just even in the secular world, like what God has called you to, because I believe that people are called in here, not just to the church, like the marketplace. Like that's, that's really where we have some stuff where we really need some iron back believers right now. But I would go through these tormenting thoughts. And so I want to tell you, be careful where you want to lead. Do you, um, can you imagine, imagine the warfare, you know, the warfare you go through. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say anything, but like, there's not a week that goes by where I'm not in severe warfare. Pray for me. But you know what, you know what the Bible says? It says, Donnie, sanctify the Lord God in your heart. So you know what I would do? Anytime I've got something going on in me that's not of God, I'm sanctified. Like, get this word in you. Sanctify yourselves, the Bible says. The Holy Spirit doesn't just go, whew, you're sanctified. It would take no faith. But this is why it's important to get into the house of the Lord every single week every Sunday. Okay, for the hood. Arrow Sunday. Say it, Paula. Arrow. That's how we used to talk where I came from. Arrow Sunday. Because what that is doing is every single time you walk in, you're sanctifying the Lord God in your heart. Every single time you're walking in maybe like an onion and the Lord is stripping a little bit more of that thing off of you, a little bit more of that gossiping tongue, a little bit more of that waywardness, a little bit more of that kind of thinking. Every single time you walk into the presence of God, you are being sanctified. Every time you read his word, you are being sanctified. Being cleansed by the water of the word. But when you desire to be promoted too quickly, too quickly, too quickly, like Absalom, I'm going to read what happened. Is this all right, everybody? Watch this. Second Samuel 15 verses one through 14. Now watch this. It says, after this happened, can we put that up on the screen? After this happened, after what happened? After David said, okay, he burned the fields, let him in so he doesn't mess anything else up, bring him in. We're going to promote him. 2 Samuel 15, 1 through 14. After this happened, that Absalom provided what? himself with chariots and horses. Why do you think he provided himself chariots and horses? To overthrow David, his dad. And 50 men to run before him. Now Absalom would rise early and stand beside the way to the gate. So he positioned himself. He positioned himself. Himself. God promotes. Men don't promote. And may the Lord promote you, and may the Lord promote me in his time. 
and 50 men would run before him. Now Absalom would rise early in the morning and stand beside the way to the gate. And so it was whenever anyone had a lawsuit, so he, dealt, he was able to be in front of people. A lawsuit would come for the decision that Absalom would call and say, what city are you from? And he would say, your servant is from such and such tribe of Israel. Then Absalom would say, to them or him, look, your case is good and right, but there is no deputy of the king to hear you. Moreover, Absalom, moreover, excuse me, Absalom would say, oh, that I were made judge in the land and everyone who has any suit or cause would come to me and then I would give him justice. So look, he is positioning himself to earn the favor with the people. He's not doing it because he loves the people. He's doing it to be seen by the people. He's not for the people. He's for himself. The church needs this kind of talk. And so it was whenever anyone came near to bow down to him that they would put, he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him. And in this manner, Absalom acted toward all Israel when they came to him for a judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the people. Stole the hearts of the people. Everybody say stole. stole. Yeah, he stole the hearts of the people and the men of Israel. And now it came to pass after 40 years. Now you got to look at that translation because, okay, not that that's not true, but it's saying that David, David's reign was about over and he had reigned for 40 years. So it was actually only four years that he was actually doing this. So the Bible is saying 40 years because it's talking about David's reign. Everybody hear what I'm saying? He didn't do this for 40. He was, it was, he was doing that. And by that time, David would have been reigning for 40 years. Okay, that needs to be clear. Footnote that I read. And Abs the Absalom said to the king, please let me go to Hebron or Hebron and pay the vow which I made to the Lord. For your servant took a vow while he dwelt in Geshur in Syria, saying, The Lord indeed brings me back to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said to him, Go in peace. And so he arose and went to Hebron. Then Absalom, don't let me lose you guys, he sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of a trumpet, see, he was lying what he was doing, then you shall say, Absalom reigns in Hebron. And when Absalom went, uh, 200 men invited him from Jerusalem, and they went along innocently and did not know anything. Then Absalom sent for so-and-so, Athenophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, from Gilah, while he offered sacrifices. And watch this. Here's why I'm here right here. And the, the, conspire, the conspiracy grew strong for the people with Absalom, continually increased in number. And now a messenger came to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. And so David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, arise and let us flee, for we shall not escape from Absalom. By this, David was advanced in age. He couldn't physically fight. Arise and let us flee because it was the 40th year in his reign. Or we shall not, for we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste and depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. Oh. Listen to this. 
even Jesus Christ. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus. Say, he's talking about Jesus. He's 30 years old. I want, I want you to watch this right here. Thank you, Lord, for the reminder. Jesus is 12 years old. I'm just rewinding to contrast something. Old Testament, New Testament. We can learn something from David. And we can most certainly learn, we can learn what not to do and some things to do because he was a man after God's own heart, yet he was still flawed and he was frail and he was human. Jesus was God and man. But I want you to look at the two contrasting events. You've got Jesus when he's 12 years old. The Bible says he wandered off. He got out of the company, the Bible says. And he is found teaching and answering questions in the synagogue. And then he answers his mom and dad when they find him. He answers them arrogantly. He's a 12-year-old boy. So you got to imagine this. I'm sure he knew even as a little boy or has been told, like, do you know you're the Messiah? I mean, maybe, maybe not. But nonetheless, God was certainly speaking to him. So the calling was there, but the character wasn't yet. Just follow me. I'm going to be very biblical. I'm going to show you this. I said the character wasn't there yet. Like his human side had to be developed. Not his spirit. Your spirit man don't need development. It's from God. It's your human side that God calls to strengthen, sanctify, because your, your human side is what harnesses your spirit. You hear what I'm saying? Your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's what harnesses. It's like an engine. It doesn't matter. Okay, your spirit is like your engine. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The whole, your, your spirit, say my spirit, is like a car engine. Can you imagine putting your car outside? Who has a car? Outside. Y'all walk here? Who has a car? Okay, you got a car? Okay, all right. Can you imagine putting that engine in a tricycle? Or a bicycle? It could be a boot beach cruiser, even the ones with the big tires. Like, I want one of those, by the way, the big tire ones, you know, that people are driving now. You understand? You can't take an engine like that and put it on a bicycle. There's many people in this room that, well, everybody in this room has a strong spirit. Your spirit is from God Almighty. When he breathed into man and the nostrils of Adam, he breathed his very own breath in that man. The breath of God is on the inside of you. That is your spirit strong, desires God. But when your mind, your will, and your emotion, your flesh is weak, you cannot harness nor govern yourself rightly. And you put your spirit in danger. That's why you can have a believer who's bound. Anybody who's told you a believer cannot be bound by a devil, they're lying. Because the flesh, you can't cast it out. You can only cast out devils. You cannot cast out the flesh. You can't crucify the devil. Or you can't crucify demons. But you, you have to crucify the flesh. Your, your body has to govern. Is that helpful? Govern your spirit to do the right thing and to continue to do the right thing and keep crucifying. That's why Paul said, I die how, how many times? Daily. So watch this. Jesus is 12 years old. He answers back his family arrogantly. He's, he basically said, why are you coming to get me? I must be, listen, if Cohen ever said that to me, 
I go to get him from children's ministry and he turns around to me and I say, Cohen, son, it's time to go home. We got to go eat lunch with mommy. And he says, I must be about my father's business. I'd say, boy, I am your father. And I would snatch that boy up and I would drag him, put him in the truck and we would be going to get lunch. That's my little Southern twang. It was a little bit arrogant. I, at least it was childish to, to forgive me, Lord. It was, he knows because here's the thing. From that point on, do you know why it was all those silent years? From 12 years old to 30, you don't hear a thing. God has himself in process. He had never been a human. When people would do wrong in the Old Testament, God would kill them, Dean. He didn't like bring them through a process. I mean, I mean, all Israel got wiped out to entered into the promised land. God's like this. They're doing wrong. They're, watching, they're looking at worshiping calves. Kill them. Open up the earth. Let them wander around in the wilderness until they get it right. Me and Dean are kind of like that. Like, they'll get it. Just let them walk out in the wilderness, you know? Right? But God himself put himself in process. So from 12 years old to 30, you cannot read one scripture on Jesus's life between then and there. And the only time you start to hear about it is when Jesus gets baptized. So he's, he's 12 years old, promoting himself in the synagogue, teaching and listening. And, and watch this. You don't hear another thing until he gets promoted. He gets promoted spiritually when he gets baptized. It says, then the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove because he had been in so many years of seclusion and sanctification. Like giving the dove a place to land. Like, like we have to give, this is from the Holy Spirit. You have to give the Holy Spirit a place to land. You have to be a branch for him to land on. You hearing what I'm saying? And so watch this, not one miracle. Jesus didn't do one miracle from 12 to 30, but he goes into the wilderness. He was led by the what in the wilderness? Come on, say it loud. He was led by what? The Bible says, read it, Matthew chapter 4. And then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I don't get that. God sends him into the wilderness, the Holy Spirit, to be tempted by the devil. So I started understanding why all those thoughts were coming. Because I realized that God is not going to entrust me with getting people delivered. Jesus went through a sanctifying process and watch, here's the process and this will be your process. It says he, afterward, he fasted 40 days afterward. He was hunger. He was hungry. And then bread, he, and then the devil says, well, turn that stuff into bread. Like I have few friends. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I have, I don't have many friends. Y'all are like all my friends. And I get it because not everybody's willing to pay the price. So turn these stones into bread. Like when I, when I meet people who want to do ministry together, that's why it's so hard. I'm gonna just tell you the dark side of it all is like not everybody who acts that, that like they're for you is not really for you. Like, you know, if I meet somebody and they have uncontrolled physical and spiritual and soulish appetite, like I don't deal, like I don't deal. 
Because one day, because when somebody's led by their fuel, by their desires, eventually they will sabotage. That's why Jesus didn't do one miracle until he was 30, until he went through the wilderness. And if, if you read on down, just a few verses later, verse 17, it says, then he went out in the power of the Holy Spirit, preaching and healing all who were possessed by the devil and were diseased. But not before he got tested with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. So where it wasn't an individual like, you know, a gluttony issue, wanting to always eat or something physical or being driven by your appetite or your soulish appetites. Maybe that's not you. You're like, I don't deal with that. What about your eye? The worst thing God could do is promote a man or a woman who is driven by their eye. I have seen and I've been a part, unfortunately. I've been a part where people have been beat up about finances. You will not get that here. You will not get that here. Because what happens, and it happens with people, even in, even in our jobs, like you have to do this, you have to compromise this if you want to be paid another dollar. You have to lie, you have to cheat. Lust of the eye. Lust of the eye. And God will always process you. Hear me, if he hasn't promoted you, this is the whole point of the whole message. If he hasn't promoted you, and you're still outside of the king's courts, don't be mad. It's God putting you in a position so you can develop in the dark so that you don't eventually humiliate his name. He's working on delivering you from the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh. And not only that, because some people where, where you may not struggle or I may not struggle with lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, let's not forget the pride of life. I, I know people, I know people and pastors, money don't move them. Food don't move them. The lust, the flesh doesn't move them. It's nothing to do with that. It's longer than control though. Pride of life. Power. Power. And we are not useful. Am I boring y'all? We are not, I'm telling you, if you want, how many want God to use them? I'm telling you, you must, you must go through the testing period. And watch, watch this. After Jesus is delivered, you want to know what the first miracle was? Wedding of Cana, John chapter 3. He doesn't even want to do the miracle. He is so delivered. He is so delivered. He's like, my time has not even yet come. You want to know how your time has come? when you don't even want it anymore. Oh, I, I'm telling you, I'm about this close to run. It, was, it used to be acceptable in a church. Do they still run? Like run around the church? Do you want to know when you're ready? I don't need that much money as long as my family has me. I, I, don't, I don't need a spouse at this moment. You want to know how you... You want to know how if you really, really love Jesus? I'm telling you, you can be a bona fide Christian, tongue talker. You can, you can rehearse John chapter 3 all you want. I have been one of those believers and not want Jesus first. But second, but we're, who would say that? Here's how you know. Am I being too much? My mom's like looking at me. 
It's not coffee, mom. She's crying because she knows it's true. What, what ache do you carry around with most of the day? What is your ache? What consumes your thoughts? That is your Lord. That is your Lord. What do you care about? What leaves your mind reeling? What do you wake up thinking about? What do you go to bed thinking about? Is it money? That's your Lord. You can't serve God and money. Maybe, maybe it's not money. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's power. How do I get this position? How do I get this? How do I work my way in? Power. It's a danger. It is a danger. And you know what God's doing? I didn't want to do this. I'm going to tell you right now. I did not. If God asked me for this tomorrow, I would pack, I would pack my stuff up and I would be even happier. I'll just tell you. Can I just be honest? I can't not do this, but I'm just telling you the reality. The, the desire, if God says, I want this back, he wouldn't get one fight out of me. He knocked the fight out of me years ago. He wouldn't get a fight. I'd be like, we can stay up late on Saturday, honey. You mean no more calls, no more drama? Hallelujah. I mean, they would, out of this white boy, they would get the shuffle. God is cleaning his house. I want to tell you something so dear. I don't know if I've ever told this. I know I've kept you all along. Oh, who cares? <laughs> Truth. Now we got to drive the knife. We've only scraped the surface. Got to deliver it until it lifts. That's when we stop, when it lifts. When the, when the urgency, when I'm feeling an urgency, it's got to go deeper. It's got to go deeper. I was in this massive church, and man, I'm like, man, I want to preach. I could do what them boys do. I was thinking all this in my head, this garbage in my head. Struggle with it, and I know I could. I'm like, man, I can preach better than that. I can do better than this person. I've got the talent. I've got the skill. I've got the ability. I've got the charisma, and all these different things. Yeah, I know you never, ever thought that way, ever. I don't think that way now. I walk up there and I feel about this big. God has done a work. Yes. And I would go in there and I was so mad. I asked the Lord, I said, what do you want from me? What do you have? I'll do anything. I'll do anything. And I meant it. I'll do anything for you. Just tell me what's going to get me close to you. And you know what he told me? I was so mad about this. First of all, I don't like cleaning and because that's why he gave me her. She likes cleaning. <laughs> she does. She loves cleaning. I, I don't like cleaning my, you know, the house. It's not my thing. Like I do other stuff, paint and stuff like that. Outside stuff. She says, I handle the outside. You handle the inside. You know the deal we have. Here's what the Holy Spirit said. He told me to go at church because I was in church four days a week, running a business in church four days a week, but I wasn't really serving. And I said, just tell me what you want. And, and here's really why I was asking. Can I just be honest? I wanted promotion. He said, go, it was clear as day. Nobody mops that gym hardly. The gym is always looking a mess. I want you to go mop the gym. Oh, mop the gym. I didn't know he was mopping my heart. And it, week after week, I'd show up every Wednesday, six o'clock after work. 
you know, slosh that thing down. You want me to mop the floor? I'll mop the floor. Wax on, wax off. I'm grumbling. I'm complaining. And above at the second story, uh, it was called the bridge. It was the young adults ministry from 18 to 25. And I said, uh, I'd leave the lights off because I didn't want to be seen. It was, I was embarrassed. I'd mop the floor. But oh, after the one week, after the second week, I was still grumbling. Oh, but the weeks progressed. I can't even tell you if I did this for two years. I don't know. I, it was a long time. I, I, but I, lo- I started loving it. If you, you should have seen it. I mean, I look like Cinderella dancing by the end of this thing. And the glory of God would fill that place. I was so happy. I was so happy until they discovered every Wednesday after so long, they were like, who is that guy down there that's mopping? And they come and turn the lights on. You got to come to the bridge. I'm like, I don't want to go to the bridge. I don't want to go to the bridge. I was, here's what I, the way I looked at it. I looked at promotion was going to steal my time away from Jesus. You got to understand what I'm saying here because leadership will steal that if you're not careful. And now I look at it's doing more as taking away something that, that I treasured. And because here's the thing, promotion, elevation doesn't give the human heart what it longs for. It wasn't built for that. It was built for Jesus himself. It was built to bring him pleasure. So guess where you find pleasure? Find out what moves his heart. Humility, service, sacrifice, holiness, give, not taking. Laying your life down, not preserving your life. That's where Jesus is. And I found God. I've, I found Jesus in that gymnasium. I mean, I got, I, and I knew, I knew the more I did, the more I'd find him. So I'd get down on my hands and knees when I found a black mark. I'm like, if he's showing up and I'm mopping, I'm going to do a really good job. So I just started doing the best of my ability. I find the black marks. You know, what's your shoe? You know, with the black mark from your scuffs. And I would get it spick and span. They would walk in there. Oh my God, it's so beautiful. I found Jesus there. You do not find Jesus at the top. You got to hear what I'm saying. He doesn't. He's not up there. He's. That's why he commands us in the Bible. Is this too heavy for y'all? Associate with the lowly. That's where Jesus is. He's with the poor. He's with the poor. He's with the needy. Oh, Jesus, help me. Y'all can stand. Oh, there's so much more. There's so much more. Oh, God, help me. I'm going to leave you with this scripture. Oh, Lord, may this be a reality of us. God's protecting you. He's protecting you and me. It took me 15 years to just see what you see, and I don't even see it anymore. Like, I'm never, I'm going to tell you right now, I do not care how many people are in here. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've never once, never once counted. Never. And I never will. I've never once, I've never once looked at people's giving. Never once. Never. I never will. Because that will determine how much I love you, minister. And guess what that starts to be? The biggest giver, you know, the flesh. Show them the most attention. You know what God is doing to his body? He is purging the body, putting people in these positions to clean the circus up. 
I will preach this until I have no breath in me. He is cleaning this mess. The world is in the mess it's in, not because of Biden. It doesn't take two or three years to mess up the world. It's the stuff that we've been, how we've neglected our children in the homes, how we've not raised them the way that God wants us to raise them. And to love them the way that he's called us to love them. Because we haven't shown Christ-like character on the job. It's because we've pushed the envelope and we've did for money versus doing because it's right. Y'all hearing me? Hallelujah. I want to read Luke chapter 18. We got two sounds going on. Okay. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. And I close with this one. This contrasting scripture. Well, let me just say this. Okay, did I say after Jesus, the dove fell on him? After that first miracle, the miracles begin to, they begin to like go like wildfire. The dead are raised, the blind see, the deaf hear. The the miraculous begin to happen. And, And look, Jesus would not be like they are today. Like you get a miracle today and they want to film it and they want to see how many likes they can get. Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus said, don't tell anybody. Don't tell nobody. Character. Character. Motiveless. Is that even a word? I made it up. DSV version. Luke chapter 18, verse 18 through 23. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to be promoted? And so Jesus said to him, well, why do you call me good? There is no one good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not commit murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. So, so listen to this. Why did, what's the greatest commandment? Say it again. Love the Lord your God with all thine heart all thy mind, all thy soul, and all thy strength. Why did Jesus leave out the greatest commandment? And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, I almost named the message this. Say the next phrase. I almost named it that. Listen, if God is not doing something in your life and you're still in that pit. I'm not saying this as a condemning message. This is my desire. Is because when something's not happening in our life, we are to question ourselves with a godly examination. Godly, not shame, not shame. I mean, God's doing some stuff in me. There's some things that he's calling me to where I, I, I know I'm not there because I still... Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. One thing I have desired... And that will I seek. The one thing. Everybody say the one thing. So, so maybe it's not happening because, not because God doesn't love you, but it's because maybe we're, we're not seeing something. Maybe we're lacking the one thing. And so, so, and here's really the one thing. Loving the Lord our God, our God, with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen. That's the main scripture. That guy leaves it out. Now watch what happens to him. And I close. 
He said, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have. He had the love for money, not a love for God. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. He was trying to deliver that man. And you will have what? Treasure in heaven. And this is one of the only people in the Bible besides the 12 disciples that Jesus welcomed as a disciple. Other people, he'd say, go tell about what I've done for you. Go, go shake the city. Go evangelize. But he tells this man, become a disciple. He says, and come and follow me. But when he heard this, the man, the young rich ruler, became very sorrowful. For he was very rich. You are not rich, and we never will be until we have. You know what rich means? It doesn't mean a lot of money. It means to have a satisfied heart. And that's something that money cannot buy. Prestige cannot buy. Relationships cannot buy. Cars, Mustangs, sorry, 57 Bel Airs, that's my thing. It cannot buy it. The heart, your heart only finds home truly in Him. So if you're in this place with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to ask yourself one question. Because we can deceive ourselves in not seeing that what that one thing is. And I want you to ask the Lord. I want you to really genuinely ask Him. If your heart has been hungry for something, you've been pursuing something, and you see door after door closed, or there's this revolving door, this revolving door, it can, you still find yourself in the same place over and over. It could be another job, or it could be you find yourself, you know, one relationship failing, going into another one, but there's this revolving door just over and over. You continue to find yourself in the same state. I'm alone again. I'm jobless again. I'm depressed again. I'm hurting again. I'm not being promoted again, again and again. And the list goes on and on and on. I want you to ask yourself, what is the one thing that keeps bringing you back to this place? have to read this. It's in Deuteronomy 8. As you're contemplating, it says, every commandment which I commanded you today, this is why what you said was so pivotal this morning, Rick. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord God swore to your fathers. God swore something to you and I. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you to know what was in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not so he humbled you allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know nor did your fathers know that he might make known to you that men shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACC 
FL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.